Right, I think we are rolling. So, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Andrew Grossett and welcome back to J to said to JT. JT welcome back to Andrew the Andrew Speaks podcast. Now, today I've got the first guest I've ever had on this podcast with me, and I think it's only fitting really that it is um, Jason that is the first guest that's on here. You've heard me mentioning his estate agency no, a number of times because actually I, I attribute a lot of its success and its status to where it is now um, based off of his, this, this, this man's support. Um, yeah, support right for away from the start. So now I had your name listed down on the, on, on the sheet incorrectly, which is correcting me on this morning. So I had you as J um, Jason Clark, but it's not Jason Clark, is it? No, it's Jason Morris. Okay, just explain a little bit of what you've just said to me just before I click the record button as to the background behind that behind the name because I found it really um, inspiring. Yeah, um, the name Clark really comes from a, a family name. It's my grandparents' uh, name, uh, more precisely my granddad's name, um, and both granddad and my grandmother. Uh, they played a very significant part in my uh, my youth. Um, I lived with them for a number of years. Um, you know, when uh, mm. it was going through a few uh, family issues, let's say, and um, they really became my guardians uh, for a number of years. And uh, uh, as a result of that, really, it's a, a real fit and tribute. So when I thought about coming up with the name um, J T. Clark, it just sounded absolutely appropriate. Wow. So my name is actually Jason Morris, but, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, but the company name, yeah, as a living testimony and tribute to my, uh, almost a memorial to my, my grandparents, I put Clark in there, JT Clark London. That's truly, truly awesome. I didn't know that. So I, I stand, I stand, I stand corrected. So Jason's been, as I said, been one of the most inspirational influences for this podcast taking part and also is someone that I've always looked up to. Um, for as long as I've known him really for not just what he's done but the way in which he carries himself and that really is something that resounds within me when I bump into people and I, I, I talk about inspirational characters they're not just it's not just about the accolades that somebody's accumulated along the time it's, it's the mannerisms and the values of which they hold to themselves almost like brand standards that you would expect from a soup from a from a company um, but how someone carries himself is particularly Im Im important to me as I hold to myself and I pass on to my own children, but also quite impressive to me as an individual. And you always struck me as someone that held themselves true and accountable to yourself based on how you had decided. And that's another key factor. It's not something that's, that's fallen on you or something you've inherited from someone else. The key decisions that you've made about how you want to be received and perceived by people. So if we're just going on, I know we've touched on a bit on, on to do with the, the name of the, the name of the company, um, but let's hear a bit more about yourself, where you've come from, the, the, from the boy, the story from the boy to the man, so to speak. Well, have we got time to cover it all? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, not snap, snap, you know what? And, and what have you from there? Well, listen. First and foremost, um, thank you very much for the uh, kind words. Um, I think how we uh, carry ourselves as 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 individuals, whether male or female, is very very important um, in today's society, most definitely, um, especially as um, there is such a shortage of real positive role models out there. Um, and so I aspire to try and try and be that. Um, in terms of my life story, 
I know everyone's got a story to tell, but it's like, oh, where, where, where should I appropriately kind of start from? Um, grew up, um, you know, like most, um, not really with, uh, uh, not with my biological father. Um, so um, grew up with my with my mum and uh, my sister, who who is two years younger than me. Um, so it was really just us two uh, at first, um, you know, th through life's twists and turns, my mother ended up um, getting caught up in a bit of a, a religious uh, cult um, very uh, early in our, our childhood years. Um, and it's a, it really is kind of a remarkable story. I don't know how many people are really kind of um, God-fearing or what people's spiritual persuasion is. Um, but uh, again, just condensing things from the age of six years old um, and through a number of different things, uh, I ended up running away from the people who we were staying with. Um, this all took place overseas while we was in Greece, so on foreign turf. Um, and I was six years old, um, and there was me and another young lady. There was a group of kids, basically, uh, who were just part of this uh, religious sect. Um, but, you know, we were subject to a lot of uh, uh, mental as well as physical abuse we were forced to learn things and uh, the discipline and the consequence of, of of not learning it was very very strict so anyway we hatched a plan um, when we was about five six years old and uh, we uh, we ran away and managed to get away from these people and we was wandering the streets of of greece um and you know i look back now and it just seems like a miracle that we we, we survived it in this day and age where child trafficking and you know the dangers out there are so rife um yeah it really is a miracle to me that we we, we survived it anyway we found the police station um they obviously very surprised um that uh, you know five six year old is going to wander in um they got interpreters down social services came down and it was a big bust basically um they swooped down on these uh these people um it made south london press back in the 1980s um it was a real big thing uh, anyway from there uh, we ended up being flung back over to the uk um and me and my sister were in foster care for a little while my mom was in israel at the time so she wasn't aware of any of this stuff that was going on um and so uh, that's where we came to live with our grandparents and so uh, again that's why i say that uh, you know my grandmother guardian angel um, at six years old they asked me to remember uh, or if I could uh, remember any of my family's details uh, etc and at six years old I don't know how I seem to put together my my nan's address um, with enough sense it wasn't accurate but with enough sense that they could decipher the code and, uh, and they managed to get a hold of her and so we went and lived there for a number of years and uh um, yeah, it was a it was a real real turning point. Uh, from there, came up to live in London. Once my mom found out exactly what had gone on, the whole group sect had been uh, dispersed and broken up. Um, so we came to live up in London. Uh, so I was living in London from about ten years old in Peckham. Um, 
grew up on the North Peckham estate, um, which again un unfolds a whole another chapter. I'm sure he does. Uh, everybody uh, who, who knows about the North Peckham estate knows that, uh, yeah, there's probably many stories that could be told. Anyone that knows of the North Peckham estate has a story about the North Peckham estate. <laughs> so I, I, I have a few and I never lived anywhere near it. Um, just happened to go through it a couple of times. Um, and yeah, every encounter, encounter, then encounter, and encounter, and then the story that goes along with it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we made it through that. <laughs> yeah. We made it through. Um, I uh, went to uh, a local school. Um, didn't really come out with, with great grades. Was not very academic in that respect. Uh, in all honesty and at the age and stage that I was um, especially because of, of how things were at home obviously not growing up with an immediate father figure and then my stepdad uh, with all due respect was a bit of a twit uh, okay. as well not really an example in any way shape or form um, I gravitated naturally to the streets and, and to the guys who were older than me um, yeah. on the estate or in the area um, looking to them for guidance looking to them for you know um, some kind of leadership and uh, at the time I found that then yeah. um, the reality was uh, again my life took a, a particular direction uh, just as a result of that I got caught up in a lot of things on the street a lot of the the turf rivalry um, you know between Peckham yeah. and Brixton and, yeah. and all of that stuff the usual stuff that unfortunately we say usual because it's so commonplace nowadays yeah. um, but all of that was going on and uh, yeah I got caught up in all of that wow so from there so I just want to touch on that did the voice did the voice develop then or is it something that you've sort of <laughs> sorry I have to touch it because I've always ever since I've known you that the tone of your voice is one that commands sort of in my authority and I've always wondered imagine being his charge but like the, being the, the son or daughter of the guy that plays I can never remember his name the guy that plays Mufasa in the Lion King you know that very that very deep tone voice your voice is very very similar yeah very 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 similar and commands a similar sort of sort of respect I think so did the voice develop then or is it something you sort of acquired as as life has gone on uh, I think I acquired it um as life went on, um, as I says, when I was uh, in my teenage years, being heavily involved in a lot of um, street life, let's call it, yeah. um, I went into church at about 19. And I really felt there was a need to, uh, okay. because um, the way that my life was heading, I had this kind of sixth sense in a voice uh, that if I continued the way I was going, I weren't going to be around much longer. Um, okay. There were people who were dying around me. If they weren't dying around me, they were ending up in jail. Um, and uh, again, it was just that inner voice, that sixth sense that change was necessary for me. Otherwise, I weren't going to, uh, you know, see many more years. And so at 19 years old, I was working somewhere and um, it turned out that one of my colleagues at the time was a, was a born again Christian. Okay. And so we used to engage in a lot of conversations yeah. day in and day out and he invited me along to church and uh, I went to church and yeah, at the time I gave my life to Christ and yeah, that, that, that really um, sparked another chapter okay. in my life. Um, I'm saying all of that to say in terms of the question about the voice, yeah. um, from there um, 
after a number of years of, of being in the church, I ended up uh, doing a lot of preaching and public speaking. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the voice came from that. Shouting <laughs> <laughs> at the top of my lungs or, you know, um, as I said, delivering those public presentations. I've, you know, I've, I've, tra I've traveled the world and, you know, wow. done, done a lot of motivational speaking and preached and gone to South Africa and spoke to the kids in schools. Wow. HIV is a big thing out there. Yeah. Um, so I've done a lot of that and uh, yeah wow so it sounds like you've we've got a, we've got almost like a real soap opera going on here from the depths of sort of fair to say child abuse in the early, early stages to almost homeless in a foreign country then moving over and managing to remember your, grand, grand, your grandmother's details to then now hitting a then then going for a turning point in terms of the streets the streets of Peckham say North Peckham Estate but had inverted commas around it it's, it's, it's an entity within itself really right. to therefore then hitting the point where you now hit church and we're now travelling around the world and you're now delivering speeches in different places and touching and using your story to help influence other people people in their lives yeah. I mean that's truly truly remarkable points what happened next? Uh, well I've done that for a number of years and um, you know that was a real it was something that I really loved um, just being able to help um, yeah. being able to give back you know we used to go into uh, a lot of the prisons and speak to a lot of the, the young guys in there etc um, but if I'm honest with you what happened next I got divorced okay. um, and again chapter 4 <laughs> <laughs> Um, next chapter yeah so um, you know when you're in church etc uh, and maybe it was coupled with uh, my age and maybe uh, naivety at the time but you never really think that you know those things are gonna affect you you know you think yeah. it might it happens outside maybe yeah. in, in the world but not in the church um, but the reality is it did and uh, me and my 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 wife then I mean I was married I went into church at 19 I was married at 22 um, and uh, yeah I think we were just very young and as you obviously grow you you grow to know more about yourself yeah. um, and as a result of it we grew apart and so uh, by the age of 28 um, yeah our marriage was on the rocks and we decided that a divorce was, was, was necessary or at least I, yeah. I did she didn't want that at the time but I just didn't want to continue to live a life of of pretense for anybody else I yeah. wanted to I wanted to be true to to me to her mm -hmm. um, so that everybody could move forward with an element of happiness and um, so I made that decision and so that forced me to reevaluate a lot of stuff yeah. um, in terms of my position within that fellowship yeah. preaching um, obviously my family set up um, and as a result of it we were down in Wolverhampton uh, at the time because I'd set up a church down there and, okay. uh, yeah um, that, that so you were the, you were the head of your own church at that point yeah yeah for a period of four years that must be pretty difficult to deal with so obviously mm. you're the if it's the configuration similar to the church that I, I attend at the moment then you're very much the shining example so to speak to the congregation yeah absolutely such. absolutely um, brave decision brave decision but you know you know um everyone's got to walk in their truth yeah and yeah i mean you can you can you can go so far living for other people but if you're not walking in your truth then you will never be happy and uh, i had to to you know be true to how i was feeling 
um, at the time and not just uh, over a period of weeks this had become a period of years um, the camaraderie the communication the friendship and all those other ingredients that you know contribute to a healthy relationship were either you know either waning or just were non-existent um, and so we was two people not living as one but two people living as two just under yeah. the same roof and you know again there was no real life in that so yeah I got to a point in a place where uh, I, I, I just thought that this was the, the right and appropriate action to take yeah. um, to free us both up both from a, an unhappy situation and uh, that's that's what I've done but as I said it caused me to reevaluate a lot of things so we were living down in Wolverhampton at the time and I pastored the church there for a period of about four years um, and uh, the church still still exists today um, so I'm happy about that but uh, I moved back up to London and just moving back up to London was a whole readjustment in itself. Um, you know, when you're living up north, the pace of life is totally different, yeah. uh, etc. So coming back up here, the hustle and bustle was a lot. So I decided to move out to Kent for a little while, um, kind of wean myself back into the London <laughs> life. Um, and uh, that is where uh, I got into the whole property industry um, because at that point I had to decide you know I'm 28 a lot of my key years where people would study go to uni or yeah. college etc was obviously spent in the church um, and so I had to really kind of evaluate what I wanted to do with my life because I didn't want to fall into the cycle of just going from job to job um, so I had to look at what what my kind of interests were um, what is it that would interest me what is it that would secure my interest over a time and uh, you know I'd always had uh, a bit of an eye for uh, you know like or a liking for interior design property that kind of thing so I decided to uh, to chance my arm at a state agency and uh, one day going through the town of Dartford uh, there was an ad on a window uh, in a local estate agency and I, I decided to apply for the job and um, yeah she called me up and managed to uh, successfully pass an interview wow. by a very grueling manageress <laughs> at the time but you know that manageress is the same one that gave me a very solid uh, footing uh, in the industry um, and I attribute a lot of stuff that I know and have been able to achieve in the state agency because of the, the foundational things that she taught me she was um, a mentor for you by the sounds absolutely so. absolutely absolutely I was only there for a short spell um, I was only there for a year before deciding to move back into London but in that year the stuff that she taught me and the stuff that I learned enabled me to not only surpass a lot of people who had been in that same office a lot longer than me but it enabled me to when coming back into London um, to be a uh, hot commodity for some of these other <laughs> for some of these other companies so they were aware of the training programs and, and the company that I was coming from and so naturally they offered me a job and uh, from there I settled uh, another local estate agency um, for a period of five years became management and uh, yeah the journey you continued worked, you worked your way through the ranks yeah. in that respect 100%. but sort of go back to the, the, the decision you made to and for the lack of a better phrase, end the marriage and walk away from, from a situation. Um, it's a it's a subject that I, I get approached on from various different people a lot when it comes to people hitting that stage in a relationship where 
it's not working, things are starting to break down and people are starting to ask themselves that question as to whether or not this is somewhere that I should stay, if this is something I should continue to invest in. And I always say to them, you know, never to forget the I in relationship. You know, yes, you're both working towards a common agenda, but don't forget that your relationship itself is supposed to be two individuals walking parallel that have decided to help each other along the way. Yep. And that's basically what, in my simplistic way of, of sort of articulate, articulating it, um, the way in which I see relationships and the way in which I see relationships should be. And I've always said to people, if as long as you maintain that understanding, then you can never really go wrong because you'll always be coming at it from a perspective of yourself, but yeah. from your perspective of yourself in the sense of wanting to do the best by the individual that you're there, yeah. that you're with. Now, when you talk about your circumstances here making that big decision to step away, not only was it weighted with the fact of you having to consider your other half, yourself, um, and your family, but also your extended family in terms of the actual church, because you were, as I said, when people join a church, you look to the pastor and you go, well, that's the example of life and that's the whole position of a, of a pastor. I think the reason why I'm going back to that is I think that really epitomizes you, really, in your ability to analyze yourself, which is, again, the skill that I, I say to people that you, if you don't have, then you really need to invest some time in working out, being able to, to do that to take a look at your situation and go, well, this is not working for me right now. And so in order to salvage and create the best possible situation for those around me, I now need to do this, even though it's the unpopular choice. You know, the popular choice, ironically, in that situation there, as a lot of people do, would have been to stay. Yeah. Would have been to stay and either maintain, put energy into maintaining the facade or just finding a bearable line. Yeah. You as is testimony for the whole of your life really you never you weren't really designed to just sell you wanted spectacular and therefore you decided that it couldn't be spectacular for anyone at that point in time in that situation yeah. so you had to make the bigger decision I mean yeah. do you think that's something that is, is transferred throughout the rest of your life as you've gone on yeah I think very much so I think uh, you're, you're completely right I think uh, everybody needs to and it's such a it's such a rare quality, I think, in this day and age in which we live. Um, you've got to be able to have a certain amount of self-awareness yeah. um, and to be able to analyze yourself um, in those quiet times, to be able to look at your life and to be able to really, you know, not be afraid to tackle some of them, them deep, dark questions yeah. about your own conduct, your own behavior or your own position. Absolutely. And... Um, yeah, that that was something that you know, as I said, this wasn't something that had gone on over a matter of weeks. I mean, we're in a day and age again where you know um, patience and you know perseverance are, are are dying qualities, and so you know people are ready to to walk away at the drop of a hat. This was not that type of scenario. This was something that had been going on for a number of you know years. Um, if not months and so you know there was a lot of time to really think and you you know obviously as part of that thought process you think about the consequences uh, etc so it wasn't a, a hurried decision in any way shape or form um, I realized that it was a, a bold decision um, but I think it was a decision that needed to be made because I think if anything if I'd have done anything else not only would it have led to further unhappiness because it would have been pretentious but it, it would have also been very selfish because when you have two people in a relationship 
it's not just about what uh, you're able to get from them it's about what you're able to give to them Absolutely. and uh, the reality is if if for whatever reason we've fallen out of love um, if we were in love in the first place which is a whole other topic yeah. you know because people come together for a variety of reasons nowadays and we call things love that really isn't nothing more than lust um, so uh, yeah I think if you really love somebody or if that love has disappeared then the reality is that you're, you're not going to be able to give that person what they need yeah. and most affairs happen in this day and age in which we live because of the love void that's in a relationship there is a void that's not being catered to Absolutely. you know and so oh he never makes me smile but the guy at the office he's always putting a smile on my face <laughs> you know and before you know it you're in situations where it's like this is getting out of hand but it's yeah. because of that void that's not been catered to so recognizing again that I, you know um, that love just wasn't there I realized that I could be selfish and could pretentiously continue with this or I can be unselfish and say you know what let's do what's not only best for me but best for you and I know right now you might not think this is best for you but but it is and you know I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be able to say I mean we have a we have a wonderful um, little girl uh, out of our, our, our marriage who's now 16 years old um, but I'm also happy to say that you know my ex-wife has now remarried she has four boys with her partner and you know she's in a very 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 happy place what would have happened if I'd have just held on to a, a yeah. dying relationship she would you know so I, I, I'm, I'm glad with the decision I've made and I think it is something that characterizes my kind of a thought process in life yeah you touched on something which I, 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 I posted a little while ago about the ability to endure you know and we live in a very with the internet came a lot of a lot of pluses but I think it also came with it as a lot of negatives and one of them being is we live in a very immediate what immediate world we need immediate gratification we need to know that this relationship is going yeah. somewhere immediately love is now as you said quite lightly quite rightly mistaken um as extreme lust you know you don't if things think i remember back in the day there used to be a rule like a three-day rule like you couldn't you, you couldn't call the girl within three days of getting her telephone number and then there was another three days after that you know and you had to work before you actually got to the stage where you were actually intimate with someone it took a period yeah, of time yeah. whereas you take a look at now everyone's just busy swiping left and swiping right absolutely and, you know sometimes they're still swiping while they're on the date with the person that they swiped to swipe with yesterday and um, that ability to endure is something i think that's actually it's a it's an absolute necessity of life when it comes to anything that you're looking to hunt for worthwhile whether that be in a relationship or even in business in, in general you've got to survive through the bad times in order to get to the good it's almost like life's asking you once you've decided this is what i'd like to have or this is what i want to have life's asking you, well how bad do you want it and it throws you a whole bag of situations 100%. to test you absolutely um, bro. absolutely yeah i mean yeah so i fully fully 
fully endorse what you're saying, what you're saying with, regard, with regards to that. Yes, I think, you know, I kind of call this uh, a generation, and it's not just me, I've heard it termed as well, it's the microwave generation. Yeah. You know, where everything we put in and we want in 30 seconds and Absolutely. we're ready to go, you know, it's the ready meal generation. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, nothing goes in an oven and we're prepared to wait. Nothing's seasoned and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to marinate it and we're going to, you know, allow the flavors to kind of get into this thing. So when it's served up, it's proper. It's like we don't live in that generation now, unfortunately. You know, I reminded my mum the other day we were set, we went for, we do, we do Sunday dinner most, most Sundays. And I just reminded because all of a sudden, you know, mothers especially, when they get to a certain age, they get amnesia. Because all the, 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 the <laughs> that you used to get when they were younger and the things they insisted and installed. But nonetheless, I was reminded her, I mean, I must have been about eight years old. And I remember trying to duck past the kitchen because we used to do it in a flat in Downham, um, or Bellingham really, and I'd seen my friends ride past on their bike and they were congregating by this sleeping policeman and I wanted to get out and go ride with them, but it was Sunday, and Sunday I knew was Sunday roast day, which meant there was a whole series of protocols that went on in my house on a Sunday morning. But I remember trying to get past her, to get past the kitchen doorway, to get to my bike, to get out through the door, and they sort of grabbing me by the pin of my ear and introducing me to a chicken and all the various ingredients that were necessary mm, to, yes, to season yep, it yep, for that yep, chicken. And yep. I was in there for the long haul. I mean, I can't remember how long it took, but it was for ages, long enough for everyone to disappear <laughs> and go up anyway. So there's no playing for me that yeah. day. But there was, my mum had lots of protocols and principles, and I suppose a lot of them that I, and now awkwardly have adopted myself in, in fathering of my children to get them to understand certain things. That whole chicken scenario and seasoning the chicken was one of the Mr. Miyagi moments for myself. And my yeah, mom, yeah, wax yeah. On, wax on <laughs> yeah. And it taught me just in that act of seasoning the chicken and the processes and protocols and all the steps that you had to go through before it went in the oven and how long it was in the oven and checking it, the p- pricking it with a fork then trying to learn how to turn the yeah. over half an yeah. all those things ironically just in that one little lesson actually were a lot of lessons I now take forward into my day to day and in life it's funny how those sorts of things and when you're touching on the the generation now where it's very instantaneous the microwave generation yeah. put it when everything done in 30 seconds and everything has to come pre-mixed in a packet i think there's a lot of there are a lot of lessons that were taught properly before that can't be taught in a 30 second period window as it is sort of expected to be in now a lot of those young guys and young girls out there that that would that would have got what it is that they were hunting for had they stuck in it for the long haul and been in it for the long haul. I think that actually they're letting go of the reins far too early before they've actually managed to tame the horse. Mm-hmm. You look at all the old movies where people are breaking horses in, you get thrown around on the horse left, right and centre before it actually calms down and becomes accustomed to you. Yeah. And I think that sort of analogy there is what sticks in my mind when we're going through your story here. Yeah. Um, and then we're making references to the, to, to the young generation that are going on now. Yeah. So state agencies open now how many how many how many um, locations have you got now uh, as it stands at the moment we have two okay. uh, we had three closed one okay. um, um, but we've got two successfully now okay so, to, so what, do you, what would you say would be your we're talking just in business circles now here career-wise and now you've decided that estate agency is, is, is your space and your place and you're going to make it home you built up this company up to the point where it's now the true legacy that you wanted it to be what would you say was your biggest if you could isolate one challenge that's happened across that time what would you say your biggest problem was and what do you think you learned from it 
I think the biggest challenge for me really uh, starting yeah um, starting um, the way that this kind of came about um, I was due to start this with uh, another partner um, he was a, a mortgage broker in one of the agencies that I'd worked at for a number of years and so it was me and him that even though I'd come up with the name etc uh, he had actually secured our first uh, office and um, without boring you with all the details long story short um, very early out um, we had a disagreement over the actual branding okay. um, and even though <laughs> I was willing to compromise at the time um, I didn't think that the name or the branding that he was proposing was was quite current um, enough uh, neither did I think it kind of had the longevity um, that you know with the current trend with the state agency uh, moving forward I didn't think that the name had that longevity in it anyway I was prepared to compromise on it but uh, he uh, fell out of sorts with not only me the landlord and wow. he ended up leaving very early out and so uh, where I was the mind he was the purse Right. and so we had a situation where there is no funds to do this I've got the location because the landlord wants me to stay um, I've got the experience I've got the brand but I ain't got the money <laughs> so what did you and, do? Uh, that's why I say the most difficult challenge was, was, was starting because there was a point where when all this was kind of unfolding um, I thought well that's it yeah. you know maybe go back to employment in another agency etc and some uh, some decorator friends of mine um, were in redoing the office for us and uh, they were the ones who turned around and said now Jason you need to stay you need to stay we don't know how it's going to work but we know it's going to work and um, yeah, these Jamaican um, friends of mine they, they encouraged me and um, I think the real testimony for JT Clark London is that it was a real journey of faith because at that point there were no funds and I did my first lettings deal um, and we earned £432 Wow. And from that four hundred and thirty-two pound, uh, like like Jesus with the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the like Jesus with the bread and the, and the fish, we multiplied that, and um, I really kind of spread it out and done little bits here, little bits there, etc. Um, and that is the testimony of JT Clark London. We've gone from having nothing to now, you know, having a business that's seven years in the making. Um, we've done over a million pound worth of, wow. of, 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 of business um, and what am I saying what am I saying I'm saying that you can't underestimate the currency of faith um, and perseverance and that is you know that belief um, that is more than just some kind of airy fairy kind of notion uh, it's the belief that's coupled with action um, and when you when you work hard and you believe in what you're doing, it's like the universe itself starts to bring things together yeah. and things start to fall into place. And that was the real testimony of JT Clark London. So, yeah, we went from having nothing to becoming what we are now. And uh, you know, we we um, we run with a lot of the what I would call the bigger boys now, the ones that I was coming from. You know. Um, the more 
renowned companies, they know who we are. They know yeah. what we do. They respect who we are because, you know, we beat them on a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, that, that, that is the testimony right there. And that was one of the greatest challenges. It was starting. And I would say to anybody out there, sometimes that's the hardest thing. And it's not always just about business um, or relationships. Sometimes it could be little things, your own, you know, resolutions, you know, quitting smoking, uh, starting the gym or whatever it is. Starting is sometimes the hardest thing to do. Very often. But start you must. I think the, I'm glad you touched on that. I'm glad you touched on that. I'm glad you touched on the belief element as well. I think a lot of people, certainly for myself and all the various different ventures I've started or things I've gotten myself involved in, very often the bit that's prevented me from hitting the mark that I was aiming for was my lack of self-belief in myself. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that I would I would hand on heart say that my, my own self belief has only really kicked into place in the last few years ironically after having my character decimated beyond belief and having to rebuild the thing back together again yeah. um, but making an absolute decision in myself within myself that I was in it for the long haul I was going to do it now were you being in, do you think and there's a concept that I'm sure you've heard of burning the ships now what you've just described there was very similar to burning all the ships you had to make a decision you were faced with survival or not do you think that that actually played a key that situation played a key part in your success the fact that you had no way out the fact that there was no safety net the fact that there was no purse strings it wasn't going to be a comfortable ride do you think that actually much as the diamonds are created under pressure that was the pressure that actually created you that's a, that's a difficult one and the reason why I say that is because in light of the position that I found myself back in 2012 when obviously the business part of walked away and we didn't have any funds the safe option was going back to employment and I knew that I could walk back into a lot of the estate agencies that I'd either previously worked at or if I haven't, even if I hadn't previously worked there companies out there knowing that I'd worked for other companies would have taken me on board and so it was a choice between do I do what's comfortable and safe or do I start to walk on water and that miracle kind of turf and uh, I obviously decided to walk on water (laughs) and that's exactly what I mean about burning the ships because burning the ships was your decision not to turn back to employment burning the ships was the decision to go right well I'm not going to take the safe route I'm done with being J-O-B yeah I'm actually going to I, if I'm going to make this dream happen in my world I have to do it now and even though life says it doesn't make sense I have to do it now because something in the bottom of my heart I believe not just it's not just that it's possible but that it's due Absolutely. And that's, that's what I'm talking about there. So you were you were in a position where you had a way out. Because hmm. you could have stepped away from it and gone, you know what, not this year, not today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll, find, I'll do it when I've got another financial backup. Yeah. You know, for now, or I'll go back to um, working for one of these other companies and I'll build my finances up um, and then I'll come back at it when that hits the point. I mean, what I'm getting at here is that I think a lot of people, and I've been guilty of myself so many times, if you don't, 
even though this thing is the blinding flash of the obvious of what you absolutely want, life doesn't line it up. So mm. it hasn't given you the guided dots are all lined up, the runway is lit. Yeah. You know, it hasn't given that, that's been taken away from you. And now you're in a position where you have to choose. Absolutely. You have to choose whether you want a life of choice or a life of necessity. Absolutely. And you were in that position at that point in time and you yeah. chose even though life literally was lining everything up at that point in time going right well you've got no money so how do you do yeah. this you chose to yeah. go against the grain it's stepping into the unknown and, uh, and Andrew the, the truth of the matter is again in terms of the name Joe is obviously myself Clark is a family name but when we were first arriving this uh, the branding for, for you know what I or we wanted to call uh, the company this whole idea of JT Clark London came from um, both me and another individual who I used to work with at an estate agency and both of us had this vision to one day have our own and it just so happened that his family name in his family tree was Clark as well oh, wow. but the T was was his initial so yeah so when it came to the crunch though he decided to stay where, okay. where he is in terms of employment and he's still there now um, whereas I obviously made the leap yeah. and you know obviously our, our, our paths are different but it just goes to, to show I was stepping out into the unknown and it was uncomfortable and there were risks and there were sacrifices but the rewards the rewards out, outweighed um, the sacrifices and you know you talk about the dream um, I knew that I would never achieve my dream by going back into employment mm. um, yeah you know I could sell a number of houses and I could be the star negotiator or star manager they could throw a Porsche at me for two weeks etc but my mentality is why would I want a Porsche for two weeks that I have to give back why can't I have a Porsche that I buy outright Absolutely. you know and that's not going to happen by just being employed yeah. um, so uh, I followed my dream and if you're going to follow your dreams there's going to be sacrifices that you're going to have to make it's going to be uncomfortable at times they're going to be dark places you are going to step out into the unknown but I'm telling you that is where the miracles happen well, they certainly don't happen underneath the umbrella. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. No, I think I just want to touch back on a bit of the bit where you talked about the to just start. You know, it's one of the things that I say to my kids all the time. You have to make a promise to try. If it makes sense, try and make it happen, and then just agree that you're going to fix the bits that explode and fall off and what have you along the way. You know, and a lot of the times when. I think a lot, of, a lot of people, and I, again, myself, I really speak to myself about myself and my own personal story, because that's the only bit I really own in, in this podcast here, is that I'm, that's been a testament to my life as well. A lot of the things that I hold as accolades now, I had no idea how, to, when I first started them, it was just an adamant thing of, you know, like when I wrote the book, I'm, I want to write a novel. I didn't know how to get it published. I wasn't really concerned with how it was going to get published. Mm. I just I envisaged this book and this book cover and getting it done and getting it out there. So I just focused on writing the book, yeah. you know. And it's the same thing with the with the expo. The expo started off around a coffee table with us going right. Well, 
we're, we're going to do a fitness expo. I had minus £37 in my bank account at the time, but I was going to create this fitness ex expo. And now it's a living, breathing entity and it's kicking off and people are calling us for spaces now. So I think it's a true testament to those that are brave enough. And I use that word brave yeah. quite specifically because it is a brave mark to step to anything. I mean, you know, I, I spoke to someone a couple of days ago about this and they used the analogy of stepping to that girl that you like. You know, yeah. you know, and yeah. we've all been there. You know, every well, I say every guy has been there. You know, you, you sort of you see this girl, and she's everything and a bag of chips that you yeah. possibly want. And you've really started imagining what it'd be like to be with her, what it'd be yeah, like to yeah, kiss yeah, her, what yeah. it'd be like to be with her. But she don't know you. Yeah. And worse still, she's in a group of friends that are likely to cuss you down the yeah, yeah, yeah. center and destroy your opportunities. <laughs> and every step you're making, once you've committed to walking towards her, to make that introduction. You know, you have up and your point of no return is when her friends turn around and realise that that's what your attention is. Yeah. Because then they're all nudging each other. Then look at this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> this guy he is. You know, and yeah. You're walking towards him, walking towards her, and then you get to the point where you've actually got to open your mouth and say something. Now, you could get blown out of the water. You could get not. But the one thing's for sure: if you don't try, you're never going to get her. Absolutely. You know? And when it comes to business, or in fact anything in in, in your life that you aspire to have. The one thing that's absolutely guaranteed, in fact, the only guarantee in there, is that if you don't go for it, then you won't have it. Absolutely. And that's a prime example of what we're talking about in your story here. Your the the T in J T Clark, so to speak, not really into in the present J T Clark, but certainly in the blueprint of what it was begin with. Huh. You know, he could have exactly what it is that you've got right now. Instead, he's got a different story simply because he didn't try yeah. you know? and I won't say that he wasn't brave enough to try because I don't know what his circumstances are but mm. for whatever reason he decided that walking on water was more likely to lead him to sink than to yeah. actually yeah. stay yeah. afloat yeah. You know? so yeah. just yeah. to show that you know, you've, you've got to in this life you've got you've got to try you've got to try my, my, my parents used to tell me and my grandparents as well better to try and fail than not to try at all absolutely and it is true that you will miss a hundred percent of the opportunities that you do not take so yeah so just moving on quickly through this because i'm going to wrap this up real you know very shortly so when we're talking about someone just looking to improve themselves and move, move forward in their lives and we're not talking about here just in terms of their career status or opening up their own business this is literally anything what would you say would be your top tips top five that you give to someone uh, top five, uh, I think realistically, firstly, you've got to have a vision um, because before anything becomes a reality in your life, tangibly and physically, you first got to see it in your head. Um, if you don't see it there first, then it's not going to materialize. You need to have a vision. Um, you need to be able to see where you're going to be or what you're trying to get to three years, five years, ten years from now. Um, you know, one of the things that really kind of uh, provided a real focus for me is is my children. You know, I wanted to be in a position, I wanted to be in a place that I could help them, um, that I could, you know, not uh, not spoil them, but be in a position where financially, as those genuine needs come up, whether that is studying or whatever the case may be, their first car, I wanted to be in a position where I was actually able to help them achieve those things. Um, and I knew that with my current position uh, at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't 
ever going to be in there. It was more of a hand-to-mouth kind of lifestyle um, that I was living. So you've got to have a vision. You've got to see it in your head first um, before you know uh, anything really starts to transpire in your life. That would be my number one. I agree with that. That, that, that is the genesis for me. Um, number two, um, I think you've got to have, yeah, you've definitely got to have that kind of self-belief, um, that faith, um, that confidence um, to step out and to, we, we've covered it pretty much, you've got to try. Um, there's a lot of people that step up to the edge and then walk away, turn back. Um, you've got to be willing to step out and stepping out into the unknown, um, you know, you've got, you've got to be willing to do that. Um, that would be my number two. Cool. Um, number three, I then believe that your 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 kind of vision and your uh, your faith or self belief needs to kind of take on a what I call a three D approach um, because uh, these are the three Ds that I think then get you from what you see in your head to a reality, and that is first you've got to be you've got to be a disciplined individual. Um, I don't think you can be successful in anything without discipline. Um, you've got to be a disciplined individual. So whatever it takes, whether that's getting up earlier, um, whether that's reading that book, um, whether it's study, research, whatever the case may be, you've got to be a, a disciplined, organized uh, individual because without it, without discipline, it's chaos. Yeah. Um, so that would be my number three, um, and then my number four uh, would be uh, you've got to be determined. You've got to be determined. Um, that means that whether you have enjoy the ups, <laughs> but, but be willing to work through the downs. You know uh, the mountains and the valleys, uh, and still keep going, um, avoiding the distractions and just persevering and, and you know it, that in itself requires so much patience again we, we alluded to it earlier when you say that so many people they start things and they 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 want the end result so quickly um, I see it all the time people will join the company be given an opportunity and they want manager within six months yeah. it, 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 you know you've got to be willing to work in my day when we started getting to management was a three to five year process yeah. you know now they want it in three months six months you've got to be patient you've got to persevere you've got to be willing to to, to weather the storms and uh, ride the waves uh, and stay determined and not be not distracted uh, and then my last my last one um, would be drive you know be passionate about whatever it is that you are pursuing because um, passion will get you a, a long way you've got to believe in in, in the product you've got to believe in what it is that you know uh, you're trying to ultimately attain you've got to be motivated um, the thing to me um, that differentiates a, a just kind of a job where I would get up sometimes in the morning and it'd be like it's a chore oh god here we go and you know the day just drags etc is 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 be passionate be be motivated by whatever it is you're doing have a genuine like and interest in what it is that you're doing because 
I'm telling you, getting out in the bed in the morning, you will get out with a, get up rather with a, with a spring in your step, with a genuine enthusiasm for what you're doing, and that's when your days become shorter, and there ain't enough time in the day because you are actively enjoying what you're doing. Uh, be passionate. I'm glad you touched on that one. I'm glad you touched on that one. So many people are what I would call results orientated. So when the results aren't there, they find it find it difficult to stay orientated on the task yeah. at hand and keeping themselves moving towards what it is that they ultimately want. And as I say to everyone, when it comes to you selecting your path, especially if you're going to be going against the tide, understand that going against the tide makes you twice is tired and that means that you need to have twice the amount of energy as everybody else that's going with the tide yep. to keep yourself in any kind of momentum so when it comes to you delivering on the things that you say truly matter make sure it's something that truly matters to you it's something that you can fall in love with the journey for so don't be results orientated fall in love with the journey and that way each day that you live the journey is the result that you're looking yeah, for yeah 100% you know, each step that you make each deal that you make each time you wake up each sip of coffee that you make whilst you're squinting at your laptop to your right hand side is your reward you know when you're sitting there going on and I speak to about the people about this time and time again when all you're interested in is the paycheck at the end of the end of the month or the money that comes from a deal or the accolades sometimes of others that are around you it's not enough to sustain you when the room gets dark it's not enough to sustain you yeah, when yeah. the rain starts tumbling yeah. down and you've still got to get up in the morning and walk out I mean Eric Thomas alludes to it in a couple of his talks when he goes people are still caught up on their feelings whether or not they feel like going to work today whether or not they feel that they need to do this that and the other but if your feelings were in check if this was something you truly cared about then just getting up in the morning and stepping into that truth is your feeling no you're preaching now you're preaching yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm in the practice so therefore you know we can get to that stage but I, I, the journey is the prize and yeah. that's really it's something that's, that's taken me a long time to understand I was one of those individuals that used to do everything based on what I thought I was going to get out of it and I, when I say everything I don't even mean restricted to work it was everything and it took me a while to realize that in this wonderful thing that we call life and as diverse as it is it's the ability to fall in love with the journey yeah. that makes life truly worthwhile absolutely bro listen you know you know we know each other from the gym um, we work out etc you know when I first started working out I was one of those guys that you know many maybe many are um, where you know you do a couple of sets and uh, you know you do your reps and then you look in the mirror and you're, and you're looking for those instant results and you're constantly like how long is it going to take before you know before I've got that six pack before I've got that V taper before yeah. I've got those big guns how long is it going to take and you get frustrated with the process and you get frustrated because you're wanting the instant results and the thing that liberated me in terms of my fitness journey was Jay, just relax enjoy the process and you will get there there you go just be consistent 
and enjoy the process. I'm glad you brought the gym into this because the gym is a, f- a fine analogy, and a few of, a few of us longer-standing fitness professionals were talking about this the other day. When like when we first started training, there was no Instagram, there was no social media element, there was no Facebook. Yeah. There was just the gym and the sheer thrill of picking up a weight, and it wasn't even about like looking a certain way in a mirror I mean I didn't really pay attention to what I looked like until the first girl that came up to me squeezed my arm and went oh my god you know, that was the first time I actually realised there was anything <laughs> different between me and the next guy yeah. I just liked the way that lifting made me feel because it gave I was the, my, my, my result wasn't in the way in which I looked my result was being able to move the weight mm. so I fell in love with the actual just the, what I call the art of training it's not established to being the bodybuilder or a personal trainer or yeah. being an Instagram model as it is these days people, yeah. I see yeah. a lot of guys in the gym and they're, they're, they're training for their next Instagram picture Yeah, yeah. yeah. whereas the only thing we ever trained for really was that pump on a Friday night before you went out raving just to get the extra attention from a, from a girl yeah. Yeah. but we got into the art of training for the sheer love of the art of training yeah. was the, the element of getting stronger and and that analogy there is the perfect one for everything else in life you know take fall in love with the journey fall in love with the, the all the little nits and nick nooks and crannies and bits and bobs that you have to do that bolt the machine together not just what the machine can do in the end absolutely Jason it's been an absolute pleasure having you Thank on my first interview I can say that we've got one done now we've yep, yep. revolved that process and evolve it into what it needs to be before we sign off can you just tell people where to find you where JT Clark is um, locations and stuff yep JT Clark London dealing with all things sales lettings property management you can find us right down there 127 Queens Road SE15 to November Delta or give us a shout 0207 he says that just like a radio advert you've rehearsed that one oh, quite a time <laughs> that was so, so, so slick. <laughs> and the smile is insane. Anyway, Jason, thank you so much thank for your time today. Um, and also for what you've done for me personally to make this podcast actually, actually possible. We're going to be, as I said, we're going to be stepping more into the interview like now. So we're going to be bringing people that have been both inspirational and aspirational in, within my life. And also some people that you, some names that are probably a bit more familiar to yourself or that are out there, should we say, in the name and fame game. But in the meantime, that's me out for this week. We're now hitting the 57 minute barrier. So we're there. Um, so yeah, that's me out. You stay strong, you stay focused, and I'll see you in the forwards. Take care.